Welcome to the Everyday PM Podcast, the podcast where we discuss project management principles for your everyday life. My name is Ann Campia, and I am a certified project slash program manager with over a decade of experience working in industries like healthcare, retail, consumer goods, tech, marketing. I think I've been quite around the block, but uh, uh, being a project manager or a program manager in that role. I am so excited to welcome our very special guests. I've got two of them on the podcast with me today. Ron and Kathleen, they're my very, very new friends, but I love them already. They are the hosts of AI Today podcast. Kathleen is a serial entrepreneur and a savvy marketer, uh, AI and machine learning expert. And Ron is the managing partner and founder of the AI Focus Analyst and Advisory Firm, Cognolytica. I am not one to butcher last names, so I appreciate both of you for allowing me just to go with and run with your first names. But Kathleen and Ron, welcome to the Everyday PM Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We're so excited to be on your show today. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. I am I'm so honored to have both of you. Uh I, I think our audience hopefully will have some crossover here. I think we do have some audience members who also listen to AI today. So this is going to be a lot of fun. But as I typically start all of these interviews, I want to learn more about you. I want to learn more about your professional journey. Uh Kathleen, why don't we start with you? Sure. I'm Kathleen Mulch. I'm a managing partner at Cognolytica and also the co-host of the AI Today podcast, which has been around for five plus years now, 300 plus episodes. Uh, So I started my career actually in marketing. I worked at a large marketing firm called Hart Hanks. We focused um, a lot with, uh, you know, data that got me really involved with data, understanding data, understanding all the messiness and complexities of data Mm -hmm. as well. Uh, Really enjoyed that. And then in 2012 or so, this was the kind of the height of uh, the, you know, startup wave, the one of the most recent waves. I feel like startups, they're they're always around. Um, My husband and I, he's a technologist by trade. He's a software engineer. And marketing, when I originally started, did not have a lot of overlap with technology, but the more that, you know, uh, the career and my career has advanced, there's been an overlap. So I've, you know, always been interested in that as well. So my husband and I had a startup that was around scheduling and kind of, you know, managing managing and uh, connecting customers with service providers. Um, and then that startup failed. But from there, I met Ron, who um, now is, you know, I've been working with him for many years now. So I think back around 2014 or so is when we officially started working together. He was running something called Tech Breakfast, which I will let him talk about, but it was a morning, um, well, it was a large, a large community uh, across the United States where it was, you know, really startup entrepreneurial focused. And we worked together there for many years. From Tech Breakfast, we started to see, you know, uh, presentations about artificial intelligence technologies, in particular, actually conversational systems. Hmm. That was when we really started to see things take off. Um, That was also around the time when voice assistants, you know, Alexa, Siri, 
uh, Google Home, they started to really take off as well. This was maybe, you know, five, six years ago at this point. Um, and so we said, let's let's focus more heavily on that. We really saw things trending there. And that's how Cognolytica got started, actually. Uh, so it's an AI machine learning, big data focused research advisory and education firm. From there, we said, uh, you know, we've seen struggles with running AI projects. We've seen where, you know, people have been failing. And we really we're really big advocates of doing AI right. And that's what we focus on a lot mm -hmm. on our podcast, you know, AI today, how are people doing AI today, practical implementations, how can you succeed, how can you learn from others, one of our big podcast series that was very popular was our AI failure series, where uh -huh. we actually talk about common reasons we see AI projects fail, and how to not fall into that trap. Because sometimes yes. you can get tunnel vision, you can, you know, really get excited to move forward with a project and you're like, there's a lot of warning signs here that we're just totally avoiding. Uh -huh. Five million dollars later, why did my project fail? So we're like, don't be a failure statistic. Yep. And so that's, you know, really the origins, my history, kind of what led me up to uh, the AI Today podcast and Cognolytica. That's incredible. I I already have the synergy, the feeling that that vibe with you, as you said, projects are, are, we can't expect all these projects to be set up for success. Oftentimes in project management, I think, I think our percentages are pretty close AI projects and project managers, but I think we'll, we'll talk about that is I think our percentage is about 73% of projects fail. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> there's a, there's a synergy there in, in what you're saying. So Kathleen, thank you so much for walking through that. Now, Ron, how did you get to be where you are today? Well, yeah, well, it's a fantastic introduction there and great uh, insights. So um, I started in the technology uh, industry a very long time ago. Well, for not in the grand scheme of the world, but for me, you know, when I, when I went to MIT and I was very entrepreneurial to begin with, and one of my uh, college um, advisors was Rodney Brooks, who is a well-known artificial intelligence researcher, second wave of robotics, the whole, he was the founder of iRobot and the Roomba and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, that really got me interested in general. I was always very interested in, in entrepreneurship and computing, but that really got me interested in it. I was caught up during the whole dot-com, you know, growth bubble during the mid-90s, the late 90s, started a startup there, which end ended up getting acquired, uh, was fairly successful called Channel Wave, which was in the uh, partner relationship management business. And then um, soon after that, I actually started an analyst firm. Uh, with my colleague Jason Bloomberg uh, in Boston, uh, focused on an aspect of enterprise architecture called service-oriented architecture. And that firm actually grew pretty well. Um, no venture capital for that one, just grew up straight on uh, the business. And that was acquired by a technology firm. And then in I and it moved from Boston to Baltimore. My wife got a teaching position at Johns Hopkins, and that's how a lot of people end up in Baltimore. And um, <laughs> you know, was was going to start a new software company and didn't really know anybody in the space. And so that's when I uh, started Tech Breakfast, which was an opportunity to gain, to get uh, entrepreneurs and startup people together in the morning in a demo format event. So the rule was that you have seven it. minutes, no slides, demo only, right? It was an interesting format. And of course, free bagels and coffee, except when we were in Texas, those free tacos and coffee. <laughs> <laughs> breakfast tacos, because, you know, they don't do bagels in Austin. But uh, although I'm sure they do, but 
they do breakfast tacos better. Now I'm getting hungry. That's there a <laughs> whole nother topic. <laughs> that was very successful. And, you know, Kathleen did a good job of explaining kind of how that grew and how AI grew. But then I actually ended up going back to my AI roots, you know, way back from the, the 90s. It's like AI kind of goes through these cycles where people get really hyped up and really interested mm. and put all this money into AI. And then it doesn't meet those expectations. And then it kind of declines and then people, those are called the winters when when AI goes through those little troughs of interest. And AI had gone through this peak and then pretty much after, while I was done with MIT, it actually went into its decline. So, okay. so if I had chosen to stay in AI in the late 1990s and early 2000s, it would not have been a good idea. <laughs> it would have yeah. been like research. If I had held, held on to it for another decade, maybe, you know, uh, it would have been in a good place. But, um, you know, one of the things that we realized, you know, even through my analyst career was that a lot of the issues of technology are really around people and process management. You know, mm -hmm. technology continues to innovate, continue, continues to get better, but, you know, give great people great technology and they could still fail, as, as we all know, right? It's, it's not just great people and great technology. You do need to run projects normally. You need to have the right expectations. You need to stage things properly. And so this methodology that, we, that we, we talk about is really a process, maybe from the PM perspective, they may say, well, it's not a methodology from the project management perspective. It's not a general approach to project management. It's a very specific method or process for running AI and data projects. But that method has become more and more established. And people are learning that doing things in the right order and doing things at the right scale really helps to optimize chances for success. No sure. guarantees in life, Yes, but you can yes. do things to make things better. You know, I can't, I can't count the number of meetings I've sat in where you've got people from operations, project management, and the, our systems uh, and technologists in the room and trying to figure out where the breakdown or the failure happened. And you've got both sides doing that. And, you know, this one, this one, this one. And so very often to your point, I love the insights and thank you for walking us through your, your, both of your collective professional journeys. I'm just in awe of that. My mind doesn't work in the data and the tech um, way that yours do. So this is again, a kind of a great combination of, of um, guests for this podcast, because I think you're going to help educate us on how project management and AI work together or are there implications there or misconceptions there. But I think where I was going with my comment because you made me think about it, Ron, is very often it's just, there's just a confusion ar or around expectations of what the AI system or tool was supposed to bring to the table versus what the person in the role was, a, a project management role was supposed to bring to the table. And often when you kind of walk back the project failure it's a combination of all of it, right? There's not just one finger being pointed. And then frankly, it, there shouldn't be any fingers being pointed. It's a, a lessons learned for us to how, how we can work better together. And um, I want to make sure that the audience that's listening, um, whether you're a project manager or not, there are a lot of key insights saying that uh, project management and organizations who rely on project management are also trending to uh, rely very much on AI as well. So I think for what it's worth, you talk about the ebbs and flows of AI and there's been, you know, decades worth of time where it kind of sat stagnant and then it goes up again. 
I think PM and AI is a perfect combination. PM should be the champion for AI, in my opinion, just because they complement each other. And so I think we'll talk a little bit, hopefully, I don't know if you feel the same way, but we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about how you feel about that. So um, to kind of set the stage for the next question, I just wanted to go over the PMI, which is the Project Management Institute survey that they recently did with the organization, which is called the Pulse of the Profession. So for the PMs who are familiar, this is a survey you get every year where they ask you what trends are you seeing in the industry and kind of just call it out for us. What do we have to look forward to? And 80% of the respondents did say that they see an imminent impact of AI, whether it's through a system or tool that they're utilizing or it's an actual AI-focused project that they're working on or working on implementing. And so for project managers, this is, for what it's worth, this is kind of inevitable. It's coming, right? So we should we should learn more about it and embrace it and understand how we can work with AI. So for, for Ron and Kathleen, I'm curious for, for your from your perspective, you know, what are some of those misunderstandings that typically... Um, are, are correlated with running AI projects because I talked about kind of being in the room and everybody's blaming the system or the AI and someone's blaming the project manager. But how do you feel about that? Yeah, it's, it bring up a lot of topics, honestly. Like there's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot in there. Um, I think, you know, first place to start, actually, Kathleen and I have, have a, so much to talk about sub subjects. So I'll talk about some things. I'm sure Kathleen will add a whole bunch more here. But one of the, th I know that, you know, when you're talking about the impact, people uh, feel right now that there is an immediate opportunity or perhaps even fear in some ways mm -hmm. of the impact of AI in the project management profession. And I think one of the things that we like to, to, to say, because we know a lot about how AI systems are being used, is that some of the most successful AI applications are what's called augmented intelligence. So it's the idea of smart systems that are really meant to help people make better decisions, more informed decisions, maybe help correct mistakes or errors. You think about like now when you're in a word processor program and you'd mistype uh, something and you got those little red squiggly lines and it says, oh, yeah. oh probably now you the system's not gonna it was an interesting decision because someone had to make a decision. Do I automatically correct it for you? Or do I just tell you about it? And it turns out that the best option was just to tell you. 90 some times out of 100, the you know suggestion is the right suggestion, but sometimes it's not. But it's also a feeling of empowerment because if you feel like your word processor is changing your words as you type, there becomes mm -hmm. the sense of distrust or concern or like maybe, maybe I'm typing really fast and I'm like, now I'm going to have to go back and check what I just typed because maybe it's corrected something it's not supposed to correct. And then you start actually doing more work. You start writing and then editing. So the the, the decision there to to enhance the human with this enhanced power of grammar, mm -hmm. the blue lines and spelling, the red lines, is a really good way of thinking about a lot of this AI, which is like, how can AI help your job in terms of optimizing schedules, giving you insight, not doing things on your behalf for you instead of you causing you to worry and now have to check your own work, but enhance it. So this idea of augmented intelligence, but there's actually a lot of other stuff because you brought up these issues of what we call phase one issues of business understanding issues yeah. of uh, failure. So I'll let Kathleen kind of jump on what I just talked about or uh, this other stuff as well. Yeah, exactly. I know we we love this question. We're like, there's so many different ways and so many different things we want to talk about here. Sure. Um, so you had talked about, you know, when you see AI or when you see projects fail in general, right? We specifically see AI projects, but when you see projects fail, 
uh, you know, how can you learn from that? And so what we are big advocates of doing AI right, we want people to be following best practices, methodologies, making sure that, you know, you're really uh, setting yourself up for AI project success. So don't just go into a project blindly, right? Have a plan, have some methodology that you're following. So we're big advocates for the CPM AI methodology, which is the cognitive project management for AI methodology. When you're talking about how you go into a project and then it fails and you're like, okay, now how did this happen? Well, phase one of CPM AI, and it's built upon, you know, other processes and best practices, Crisp DM, if people are familiar with that, it's also agile and iterative. So you can mm -hmm. go back steps as well. Um, so phase one of CPMAI is business understanding. You need to be asking these, you know, pretty basic fundamental questions in phase one before you move forward. So it's what problem are you trying to solve? Should it be a cognitive tech? technology solution or something else. If you're not actually solving a real business problem, then why are you doing the project? <laughs> yeah. and, and it seems like such a basic question, but have you asked it? And when we, you know, when you go back and you find, okay, why did projects fail? That could be a really core reason why it failed. Also, mm -hmm. what's your return on investment for this project? And mm -hmm. you can measure return on investment in a bunch of different ways. It can, of course, be money. You know, are what kind of money are you saving? But also, what time are you saving? What resources are you saving? You know, especially if it's maybe technology resources and compute power. Uh, and, and so we have to say, make sure that you're addressing those issues as well, because if you don't address those issues, then yes, you're, you're setting yourself up for project failure and most likely the project will then fail. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I find it interesting that both on your podcast, AI today podcast and the everyday PM podcast that collectively our highest listened to or one of our highest listened to episodes on both sides is about why projects fail and it it brings up this question of our percentages are pretty close i think we're 73% overall project management led projects fail i think ai was uh about that depends, depends on how you measure yeah. it yeah same range yeah so it, it leads me to this question of, and, and I love that you broke down the methodology in the first phase, right? And that's often when you walk back a PM-led project, that's what happened. The <laughs> scope was not clear. We didn't know what we were buying into, all these things. So do you feel like we are over-promising what AI can do when we talk about that first phase and you're trying to figure out what is the scope of the project? Is that typically something that comes up? Wow, that's like that is actually the top failure reason. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> All over right, interview done. Okay, great. Overpromising <laughs> and underdelivering—it's a classic yeah. problem. I mean, there's many other reasons, but uh, a classic um, problem with AI because people get caught up. There's something about AI that makes people get very fanciful, you know, science fiction. You know, the, uh, we all we watch too many mm -hmm. movies and shows, and and it's it's not like that with every technology. I mean, people don't watch like, what's cloud computing going to be like in the year 2300? Well, let's watch Star Wars or Star Trek. And no, it's not going to. There's no cloud computing, but there are robots. And there are intelligent <laughs> computers and there's self-driving vehicles. So people kind of like, you know, watch the Jetsons or whatever, you know, people get caught up in that. And I, I think there's something about they will power through um, concerns because they want to see 
the possibility of this technology. There's this, there's the corollary to the over-promising under-delivering, which is confusing a proof of concept with the pilot. Mm-hmm. And that's a big issue with, with AI because you can prove all sorts of stuff in a proof of concept. But when the moment you put it into production, it just fails, right? And it's not just, you know, smaller companies or inexpensive people making these problems. When we did our failure series, we actually did the a rip from the headlines approach where we're like, we're not going to talk in theory. We will actually talk about this major failure from this major company you have heard of, like Walmart canceling all of their inventory or shelf scanning robots. That was done. Amazon having to drop Mm -hmm. their HR uh, uh, hiring system that they use for AI. That was a failure. Microsoft killing their Taybot. You know, Andrew Ng, who's a very well-known researcher who actually helped bring the whole deep learning thing back into it. He had said like, oh, our uh, radiology imagery system was a complete failure. We tried to do it in Stanford Hospital. We moved it. It didn't work. We're like, you guys are, these are an IBM, you know, killing its whole Watson division, you know. These are not dumb people. These are not companies with bad technology. These are some of the smartest people with some of the best technology with all the compute power and all the data they can have. And they are failing usually because of these issues. And it's because of part over-promising, under-delivering. Mm-hmm. And they're, like I think Intel put together this the AI go, no-go thing, which is like these nine traffic lights. And it's like, you can... It's imagine you're like in that one street town. It's got nine traffic lights. They all got to be green to go through it. And no one's going to stop you from driving through a red light. But you should be aware of the fact that you are you are in an area of high danger uh, when when you have these things. And some of these are more business oriented traffic lights, like mm-hmm. no problem you're solving, get the business buy-in. But some are more like, do you have the data? Do you yeah. know where you're going to use it? And a lot of times people will be like, we'll figure that out when we get to it. And mm-hmm. of course- and then we see the projects rent. fail yeah. or they're waiting for months for their data. And then the, you know, project, maybe what they were trying to have results for or use it for, uh, it's out of scope now, or who knows? We've seen that in, in some instances. So then you're like, okay, well, great that we got through a little bit of this project and now it's going to fail. <laughs> we wonder why, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And so that's, you know, like Ron said, yep, over-promising, under-delivering, big problem that we see. Also, when you don't understand what AI is good at and maybe where it's not best suited, people go, oh, well, I've been told that we need to run this AI project or I, I'd like to do that. And so you power ahead and maybe it's not really the best solution to the problem mm-hmm. and where you could have just had a simple automation go in there. And we say mm-hmm. automation is something where it's, you know, repeated and the same thing predictable over time. So it's not intelligence, but it's incredibly powerful, uh, incredibly useful. And maybe that was your best solution, which is probably going to be quicker and cheaper and faster to deliver than this AI project. And so if you're not really understanding the core areas of where AI is good, that's also going to be another reason that your project will fail. I just, if, if you're watching this, you see my head nodding. It's because there's a lot of camaraderie between what you're saying in the AI space versus the PM space. And you could easily replace AI with PM and what you just said, Kathleen, and what you said as well, Ron, and it still is applicable. There's a lot of uh, the same thing happening when it's a PM led project, uh, whether or not there's AI involved or not is 
there's unrealistic expectations or or things that were not originally scoped and you see that from the get-go and it sounds like with the CPMAI methodology we would figure that out right away and be able to put a stop to that but you know often a lot of our barriers or our gaps that we see are things like mistrust right if the team doesn't trust the PM how do you expect the PM to have influence over how the project deliverables are completed? How do you expect the PM to have influence over uh, what systems or tools are being used? How do you get people to rally around if you're if you're saying your project's going to be late if there's no trust there? And I kind of see the same thing happening with AI as well. Is not only is there this unrealistic or kind of over promising. Um, aspect of what people see AI as. And I think that goes back to your point about a lot of us are just not educated on exactly what that should be, right? What is AI doing for us? Um, but without that understanding, it creates that mistrust and it creates this whole um, uh, thing that you're seeing, uh, saying, uh, Ron, as gaps in the business where in the marketplace where bigger companies are investing in AI and then you're seeing them all of a sudden say, oh, never mind, right? And so mm -hmm. for what it's worth, I feel like our top reasons why projects fail on both sides or collectively is all of those things we just talked about. Yeah, I think that there's there's some additional elements to all this. You're absolutely right. And that's why I think, you know, even in our podcast, we're like, Hey, you know, AI data people, you guys may know algorithms. Great. You probably experts in every machine learning algorithm. You might want to learn project management. Mm -hmm. just, just, you know, I understand, you know, maybe the PMP certification, you may never heard of it, but you may want to look into it. You may want to look into to familiarizing yourself because then you'd be like, oh, you know, maybe I shouldn't be making these mistakes, given the fund fundamental understanding. And similarly for the PM folks going into a project, like there's something, there is some differences with data projects. You know, one of the things that you may encounter in a data centric project doesn't have to be AI, but any data centric project is we do have issues around data privacy, data security, data ownership, mm -hmm. that um, some of which are regulatory, some of which are, you know, legal issues, right? And, and that actually imposes um, these extra barriers, right? The roadblocks. You're like, we want to power ahead in this project. You're like, hey, hey, you may need to get your data compliance team involved here because I understand you want to use these medical records to help improve some diagnostic thing. That idea is fantastic. You may have a business case. You may have a salt. Your team is ready, 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 ready to go. But then you may hit this like, boom, you can't actually, you can't get access to the data. You're not allowed to deploy it. And you may not be aware of that, right? And so this imposes like a hard uh, roadblock in your otherwise uh, very logically paced uh, fast project plan. And, mm -hmm. and without awareness of that, you get, you get caught blindsided or like you put it out there and all of a sudden you get some, uh, you know, hey, you just buy HIPAA violation and you know, whatever it is, you know, uh, sure. the new California privacy regulations, GDPR, who, who knows, right? So um so, 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 so there's some education needed, I would say, on both sides. PM managers really need to educate. Um, you know, that's actually part of why it's like, you know, we're in, we, we do training and certification on CPMEI, you know, for a living. That's a lot of what we do. We, we have free ed education too. You know, education has like some of the best ROI, right, of all yes. things. Yes. We, have a, we have a free intro to CPMEI. So go to aitoday.live slash CPMEI and uh, you can get the free course. But yeah, I mean, like 
have you seen a bit the second i don't know why i'm asking you this question but i'll ask you like have you seen sort of reluctance or resistance in management just in terms of skills and training and education on pm and pm concepts you know that absolutely that absolutely i think there is a misconception probably on both sides too again is that um either I, I will figure it out or there's really not a formal way of learning how to do this job. And that all has changed. This industry, that gap in terms of knowledge base and having that available uh, and accessible by everybody has changed. There's a lot of material out there now. Uh, Project Management Institute itself, if you're a member, you get all of that material in the courses for free. It's just everywhere. And I think we talked about this before we started recording the podcast of how project management was a thing, but not all organizations really understood the use of it. And if you switch AI there, it's probably going to be very similar. But, you know, under organizations didn't understand the use of a PM or see the value of it. Why do we need this person here to kind of shepherd this project through from start to finish when you've got all the people who know their job and can just get their job done and hand it off? And then you see the organizations really start to make a turn. I think that shift happened maybe 20 years ago when more and more organizations recognized project management as a uh, something of value, a role that was absolutely necessary in order to get a project from start to finish. And I think uh, I'm what I'm trying to say here is I'm hoping that AI is also seen in, in that light as well. Um, in terms of the gaps that we still continue to see in the market, I think, Ron, you were talking about these big data projects, right? Or even just AI-focused projects. But why are we still seeing these gaps in the market? And do you have an idea of what can be done to kind of start to close those gaps on your side? Yeah, I think, you know, specifically, it's really around understanding how to manage these data-centric projects and making sure that you have the right people, the right education, right? The right mindset in place in order to do that. So, you know, we've seen that uh, one of our AI failures is you can't run data projects like you run application development projects, because if you do, you're going to quickly realize that they're going to fail, right? They're, that's not a data-centric approach. And so if you're not taking this data-centric approach to managing your AI projects, then you will fail. And so that's why we're big advocates of CPMAI methodology, because it is a data-centric approach to managing mm -hmm. your AI projects. And also, you know, go in with a plan, right? Methodologies, it's like a step-by-step -step repeatable approach that you can do so that different folks within your organization know what needs to get done. You can repeat the process. We've talked to way too many people and we ask them, okay, well, you know, how are you running your projects? And they either look at us like sort of confused, like, what do you mean? How are we running it? Sure. We just run it however mm -hmm. we want. Right, right. <laughs> the PM will tell you how, how to run it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, or they say that they're doing things like scientific method and we're like mm -hmm. no you're not you're you're not you're just picking something that you learned from grade school and you're telling us that you're running your AI projects using the scientific method you're not and if you are then you know I, I know why your projects are failing so <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> that was an easy one <laughs> yeah. I, I go ahead yeah, I was gonna say, like, you know, one of, one of those gotchas is that, you know, in a traditional project, you can sort of like, if you have subject matter experts and, and 
people who know their stuff and you tell them, hey, I want you to do this thing, right? And they go ahead and do it, then you can hopefully reasonably get back the thing you asked for. Whether or not it was the right thing is a whole other question. But if you so, ask them to do something and they test it, then you should get it back what you're expecting. The problem is it doesn't work that way with data, which is that, well, we'll build a system assuming that, right? the data looks good, but then you go and you're like, holy cow, data is missing a lot of stuff. It's really bad. It's really bad quality. And then you might find like, we need to now spend some X amount of time cleaning that data, preparing that data. Mm -hmm. And someone's like, did you budget for that time? Did you budget for that expense? And that somehow, some way is like the forgotten part. And you're like, (laughs) that's actually the part that's going to actually take the most time. That's the part that's actually going to be, and who's going to do it? We got petabytes of data here, right? Or some, some crazy amount of data. And um, I, 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 it's like this weird blind spot. People are like, just like, oh yeah. And then I'm like, wait, now you go, wait, how many times do we need to clean the data? If I do it just once for a training, but am I going to have this problem like every month, every time mm-hmm. I get new records in? The answer might be yes. It's like, yeah. oh my goodness. Then the, the, now the eyeballs explode. They're like, I thought our budget was going to be this amount, the budget actually now needs to be three to five times that amount. And then that's when people say, maybe we shouldn't do this project. And when you're two or three or four years and X millions of dollars into the project to realize at that point is kind of an eye opener. So you, so we say phase one, maybe business understanding, but phase two, data understanding. Don't even bother building your project until you understand the nature of your mm-hmm. current data and the future data. So little insights there. That's great. Is that a part of the CPM? AI methodology is that part of what, what the checklist says is you got to understand the data too. That's great. Can you help yeah. me understand the methodology? Because there's so many out there, right? And and I think that you both have um, invested a lot of time and effort in, in creating this particular methodology. So I'm curious in terms of, um, have you had project managers adopt it? And are they seeing any successes in, in using this methodology? Yeah, and I would say this is probably an area of maybe terminology overlap, which is that pro- I think from the PM perspective, this is not a methodology per se, but more of a process sure. or uh, an approach. Yes. So sorry to our folks. It's not like at the same level as, you know, PMP or Agile or th- those are like, you know, methodologies that are generally applicable. This is more of a, a step-by-step approach that yeah. you would take in iteration uh, in every iteration of a data project. And it's gen- it's actually based on something that's been around, Kathleen mentioned it, for over 20 years called CRISPDM, which was the cross-industry standard process for data mining, which is uh, what IBM and a bunch of others came up with in the late 90s for dealing with big data projects when back then, if you remember from the late 1990s, these systems were not very fast, were not very well connected. We had to deal with companies like Oracle and others mm-hmm. where getting stuff in and out of the data was not that easy. We did not have uh, big data systems like Hadoop or any of that sort of stuff. So you had to think very much in advance before you started your project really carefully as to what data you wanted and when you wanted it and how you wanted it. And so the CRISPTM process actually has these six phases. The problem was, was that they didn't iterate on it. So the method, this, this approach, there was a methodology that yeah. called it that, but it was really more of a process, um, just kind of died. And so now people were just started discovering it. This is what happened like about a half decade ago. We're like, we need a, we need a process for running a data project. It was like, sure. uh, hey, do you remember this old CRISPDM? And you go back and you're like, oh, it's like not iterative. It's not agile. They, there's no AI stuff. We don't know how to do model evaluation or any of this or stuff. So what happened was CRISPDM was evolved and became CPM AI, which is the cognitive process for 
uh, AI, but CPM AI, project management for AI. And, yes. But it's really, it's really this step-by-step approach. And long story short, there's six main phases. There's business understanding, but it's a more, it's a very specific, like it's for what data problem are you trying to solve? And what is the specific return you're looking for that data project? It's not for the overall project. It's for the data part. The mm-hmm. second one is called data understanding, which you just talked about, which is what's the nature of that data? Is it where you think it is? How are you going to deal with that over time? The third phase of the process is data preparation. So we actually build, if you're thinking about building, we don't build our AI systems first. We actually build our data processing system first. So get the... Um, ingestion, cleaning thing, get that done before you even build your first model. Then the fourth phase is building the model, model development. Then the fourth phase is called model evaluation, where you test that model in the real world, which is very important. You're not allowed to do a CPMA project that's just a proof of concept because we say, well, you didn't really prove anything. You could prove whatever you want in a proof of concept. Uh, And a pilot needs to be in the real world. And then the sixth phase is what's called operationalization, where you actually put it there and the goal is to have that whole set of six phases done in a very short, agile-like sprint, two weeks. Okay. So it forces you to compress it and you go, well, wait a second, we don't have, there's no way we can clean all the data and, and do all this stuff in two weeks. So it's like, it forces you to, to uh, shorten the scope then. So it's like, sure. well, what can you do in two weeks? I can only do a thousand records. Like, okay, will that prove anything? And the answer is it might. So that's kind right. of an overview. I don't know if Kathleen, you want to add to that, but it's a quick overview of the pro. Yeah, the pro- and the reason that, we want it in these short iterative sprints. We always say, think big, start small and iterate often. So think big, have you know your whole project in mind, but start small. And, and that really makes you scope your project down to those digestible chunks that you can do. And then mm-hmm. iterate often. Uh, we've seen, you know, far too many large organizations. I mean, you know, with a lot of smart people, a uh, lot of, uh, you know, money that they can spend on things where they're just overscoping their projects. There's no reason that it should take 12 to 18 months to develop, uh, you know, a a machine learning model. There's just no reason for that. So much can change within 12 months Mm -hmm. um, that that's why we say, you know, it makes sure just iterate on it and get get it out there because otherwise it's almost like a waterfall approach to your AI project, which presents a lot of challenges, you know, so much, like I said, so much can change in the technology industry in 12, in 12 months with data, with everything. Yeah, absolutely. I think that my, my key, there's a few key takeaways in what both of you just said from a project management perspective is you can't just assume that the methodology, or in this case, your, your process that you have used across every project is going to work on these data projects. I think that's definitely a point I want to make to the PMs that are listening. Don't assume that it's going to apply. I love the uh, iterative approach that the CPMA I has taken now because agreed, there has to be a proof of concept before you just kind of dive right in. I've been on multiple projects where the assumption was that we're going to get it right in the first try. We're going to transfer data and the data is going to be clean and definition of clean is, you know, a moving target as well, depending on who you speak to. But there's a lot of assumptions made that things can just happen in this waterfall, like very constrained approach. And what I like about what you just said about the methodology is that there's an iteration. You got to prove it out. Make sure you give yourself the space and the opportunity in that finite timeline that you said um, to 
to make sure that you're going from proof of concept to getting to the point where uh, the data is now working for you, which would have been the expectations in such a rapid speed. So it's like really forcing you. And I like the other key takeaway of making it digestible because often we have projects we're running as PMs that are these mega scale projects and a component of it is a data project. And so again, it goes back to while you're, you may be applying some sort of methodology or a process model against the big mega complex project, you should still look at the data project as its own and try to apply a, a process that would work better for that particular part of the process or part of the project. So I, all of that. Yes. Yes. And I'm assuming then um, as PMs are learning this methodology and picking it up that we're seeing a lot of successes there just because it's so focused on the data piece of a project. Yeah, we we definitely are. The feedback that we get has been positive, uh, which obviously is is good, right? Because it's helping them. It's giving them that step-by-step -step approach for how to scope, how to manage these AI projects. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, well, the other little bit is that is that there 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 are these sort of what's called responsible AI considerations. We're starting to see more and more of that lately, where you know there are some there's some concerns around algorithmic decision making, mm -hmm. concerns around data bias issues. There are concerns around privacy, of course. Uh, there are many. Actually, it turns out there's a lot of things people are, are concerned about. So. Um, <laughs> So the idea is not sort of waiting until the end. That's part of like, well, you're going to have to bring that into the process, maybe even at the very, very first stage to say, okay, before we do this, um, you know, do will people just not use the system at all because of some uh, data privacy or, or maybe there's a legal issue, something like mm -hmm. that. So you don't, you don't want to be, and, and, and also the laws are evolving. So it's one of those things where you have to try to kind of uh, guess where things are. For example, there's some new laws on the books that prevent the use of AI systems in hiring um, in a couple oh, states. Wow. And uh, yeah, there's going to be more pushback on that because uh, people don't like uh, some of the stuff. So it makes it a challenge uh, <laughs> and you have to kind of figure out where things are at. So, so that's becoming more and more part of the curriculum, if you will, to just understand it. So that way you can at least have that in your mind while, while you're building these systems. Yeah, uh, definitely considering the implications. And for, the, for those that are uh, avid listeners of the AI Today podcast, I am honored that I have gotten to be a guest on your podcast as well, where we go a little bit deeper into implications of, of AI and how that is related to project management. I can see how even just regulations and laws that shift are going to change your environment. And same goes for project management in terms of how we manage and deal with these AI-focused projects. So look, I, I think I've kept you way, well over time, Kathleen and Ron, and I, I really appreciate your insights here. I feel like I could talk to you all day, but I know that our listeners probably got another meeting they got to run to. So that will do it for this installment of the Everyday PM Podcast. Kathleen, if folks want to follow you or continue the conversation with you, where can they find you online? So I'm on LinkedIn. Please feel free to reach out, connect with me, Kathleen Mulch. Uh, you can also email us, uh, info at cognolytica.com or just check out cognolytica.com. That's C-O-G-N-I-L-Y-T-I-C-A.com. We're also on Twitter as well. We're way more active on LinkedIn. So if you want to connect with me, connect with me there. Yeah. I love it. And Ron? Same thing here. Yeah. Um, LinkedIn is, I guess, our base. So connect with us, Ron Schmelzer. That's S-C-H-M-E-L-Z-E-R. Hopefully you'll see it also in the uh, podcast title. You can reach out to us there. 
And uh, yeah, um, you know, you can follow us on all these social media places. Subscribe to our AI Today podcast uh, as well. And uh, you know, let us know what you think. Suggest suggest topics. We're, 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 we're very responsive to our audience. We're very appreciative of our audience. And we're very appreciative of the Everyday PM podcast as well. And you're just fantastic uh, participation on our podcast. So we'll, we'll link to yours as well. Yeah, absolutely. Now make sure all the appropriate links are there so you can follow all of us on LinkedIn. I think we all love LinkedIn, so we'll connect there. Uh, you can also support the Everyday PM podcast by giving us a five-star review on whatever podcasting platform you're listening to us on. Uh, we also have a video version that will go up on my YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Ancampia. So while you're there, leave us a comment. Let us know what you thought of this week's episode. Thank you so much, both of you. It's been an honor and a pleasure to have you both on the podcast today, sharing your insights on AI. Check them out on the AI Today podcast. And until next time, take care.